Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is brought to you by FreshBooks, cloud accounting software that will save you time and money. For a limited time, FreshBooks is offering listeners 50% off your first three months when you sign up for a paid plan. Go to freshbooks.com slash coolmules and enter coolmules in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash coolmules for 50% off your first three months. Please be aware that this episode mentions suicide and childhood trauma. Yeah, the part of me is like, you know, he was a he was a writer for Vice and he covered rap music and it was like, you're just an idiot who's way in over your head living out some fantasy, like drug smuggling fantasy and like you, I don't know. This is a Toronto musician who knew Slava Pastikov when he was Vice's music editor. She asked that we not use her name. She's playing out a thought that many people I've spoken to have had about Slava. I've had it myself. Because once you've met him, you can't help but think of Hanlon's razor. One should never ascribe to malice anything that can be easier explained by stupidity. Remember how his former Vice co-worker Justin Ling described him? Bit of an idiot. But like it was funny, you know, he was charming. He was the music guy. Like, he wasn't the never the smartest guy in the room, but perfectly pleasant. Other people told me something similar. Funny and charming, maybe not so bright. Slava is very comfortable with people thinking of him that way. I interviewed him once on the courthouse steps after a feature article about him was published. He was pleased with how he came across in it. I think this paints me as like a bumbling suburban bro who got too caught up in the vice lifestyle and did some stupid shit. And, and that's accurate? Yeah, absolutely. That is one way of characterizing Slava, and it's not wrong. Getting to know him a bit, as I have, seeing how he is with his mom, watching it slowly dawn on him that he is going to jail for a long time, and then noticing him try to hide how scared he is about that. You can't help but feel something for him. He is a human being, not some monster. But here's a word I heard about him quite a bit. Like, and the fact that he then went on to, like, recruit people and, like, involve them in something, like, so serious is, like, sociopathic. Is Slava just a doofus who got in over his head? Or is he maybe evil? To figure that out, 
you have to look at what Slava did, not what he says. And he didn't do it alone. There's also the five people that Slava sent to Australia and who ended up in prison after $20 million of cocaine was found hidden in their luggage. We've heard from Slava why he did the trip, to make money and get a big vice story. But how did he convince them to do it? And who are they, anyhow? That's what we're going to find out today. You won't hear from those five people themselves on this podcast. Two of them are still in prison, and the Corrective Services of New South Wales doesn't allow journalists to interview inmates. Three of the five kids who were convicted are now out and back home. I've sent them emails and DMs and been in touch with people who know them to ask for interviews. One of their lawyers agreed to be interviewed, but otherwise, people either haven't answered or declined to talk to me. Some of them said they're scared to. So what I'm going to tell you today is pieced together from a mix of Australian and Canadian court records and from an investigation by Canadian police. It's built on evidence including dozens of text messages from phones that belong to Slava, his alleged co-conspirator Ali Taki Lalji, and the smugglers themselves. Today's account also relies on secret recordings, which later became the evidence that did Slava in. There are also interview transcripts, psychological assessments, and the findings of two judges deciding the fates of people from opposite sides of the world. I'm Kasia Mihailovich. This is Cool Mules. It's completely bizarre, like such an insane situation. And like, I get reminders every now and then about Jordan. Like, he's a little bit nerdy and sweet and probably the last person you would expect to be like involved in something like that. Things just didn't add up. There had to be something else at play. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Cool Mules is brought to you by FreshBooks, cloud accounting software that will save you time and money. When you send an invoice using FreshBooks, you get a notification when the person on the other end has actually opened it. Then FreshBooks lets you know when the invoice is overdue, and it will even send a gentle but firm reminder for you. If you've got your own business or a side gig, I strongly recommend automating the awkward follow-up payment email so you don't agonize over it every time. 
You deserve to get paid. That's it. Ask anybody. Before FreshBooks sponsored this podcast, I was already telling everyone I know to use it. And now I'm telling you. Because the truth is, I freelanced my way through my 20s and got paid every time. And that's a small miracle that I attribute to FreshBooks. And for a limited time, FreshBooks is offering listeners 50% off your first three months when you sign up for a paid plan. Go to freshbooks.com slash coolmules and enter coolmules in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash coolmules for 50% off your first three months. Earlier on the show, you heard Slava Pasikov lay out his plan. All he figured he had to do to make it in the media business and score his own TV show was connect with a crew of international drug runners, pick up suitcases from a Mexican guy in Las Vegas, fly to Australia with his friend, who is also his drug dealer, hand the luggage off to another contact, fly home to Toronto, get paid $20,000, and then tell the entire story as killer content for his employer, Vice Media. Miraculously, he actually accomplished most of that. It all went off without a hitch until he got to the last part. Slava never pitched his story to his colleagues at Vice. Instead, upon his safe return, he began relentlessly recruiting others to go on the same trip he had taken. According to Slava, his motive for doing so was benign. I was back, and I couldn't keep my big mouth shut about it. He says he wasn't preying on people. He was just bragging to them about the awesome experience he had. And when others got excited about it and said they wanted in too, well, sure, he hooked them up. They volunteered themselves, and I told them where to go when they, if they wanted to pursue that further. I told them who to call, and I told them who to get in touch with. And for his efforts, sure, Slava planned to skim a cut of their fees for himself. Sometimes the money will be a little bit less. Like I said, maybe there will be 18000 instead of 20000 A little bit less. Or a lot less. Different kids who took the trip later reported that they'd been promised a wide range of different dollar amounts. If true, this meant that Slava was set to take a much bigger cut than what he told us. He failed to entice two former vice employees who went on the record with us about being propositioned to take the trip. Tanera Yelland remembers Slava promising her that if she first proved herself by taking a couple of trips, she too could one day make money by convincing others to mule drugs. Oh, yeah. So when he was telling me about this opportunity, he was also telling me, like, if you do this a couple times and then whoever he was working for, I have no idea. But like, if you do this a couple times and they know that they can trust you or whatever, then you can start to refer people and then they get paid whatever X amount and you get paid this much or you can tell them that they get paid less and then pocket the difference. This basically sounded like a multi-level marketing scheme, but for drug trafficking. And so I assume that's why he wanted me to do it, because he would get the referral money. Tanera, like her colleague at the time, Jake Kavanch, just said no. But other young people in Vice's orbit said yes. If this were a heist movie, this would be the part where we meet each member of the crew and learn what special skill they brought to the caper. The safe cracker, the demolition expert, the escape artist, and so on. But in this scheme, 
Each member was recruited not for the abilities they brought to the operation, but for what they lacked. Maybe it was money and job security, maybe common sense or cunning. Or maybe it was something else. They lacked bankable status in the worlds they aspired to. Cultural capital, legitimacy, clout. The first one of those people I'm going to tell you about is Jordan Gardner. In 2015, Jordan was Slava Pastikov's roommate and a rising DJ, written up favorably by Vice a year earlier for the, quote, smooth, soulful touches of house music he brought to his music project, Ebony. I've spoken to a number of people who knew Jordan, and as far as I can tell, everybody in his community kind of loved him. They'd rather not get involved publicly at this point and go on the record to say so. But still, they loved him. I had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with Jordan, and he seems like a good kid. This is Adan Havas, Jordan's lawyer. He's American, but he lives in Sydney. I've represented a number of importers throughout my 10 years of practice, and most of them don't have family that are as supportive as Jordan's family. So it was quite a shock to see a kid with such promise throw his life away. According to Adan, Jordan doesn't fit the profile of a drug mule. He comes from a good family. He wasn't desperate for money, and he had a promising career. Usually the people that partake in these sorts of ventures are people who need the money so bad that they're willing to take the risk. And you have to keep in mind, Gordon's mental health at the time wasn't that great. He witnessed his brother commit suicide. And off the back of that, um, there was a, a bunch of mental health issues that weren't resolved and bad decisions were made. Adan is representing what Jordan told him and what they told the Australian court when he tells us that it was Slava who put him up to it. It was Slava who coerced and pressured Jordan, which, Adan says, led to outright threats. Adan has some choice words for Slava. When they wanted to pull out, you were the one telling them that they knew where their family lived. The only way they knew where their family lived is through you. You were the conduit between them and the, the cartel. I have no absolutely no love for that guy, okay? Mm -hmm. Because that's the guy that was telling the cartel who, what, where, when, and why. And if it wasn't him, he was a conduit to the person who was. Slava denies ever threatening anyone himself and rejects the narrative that he preyed on his helpless young roommate. If he wants to blame me in terms of he never would have heard about this if it weren't for me, that's probably valid. But I never held a gun at anyone's head and made them do anything they didn't want to do. First off, he points out, the two are the same age, both 25 at the time, their birthdays about a week apart. And at first, Slava says they both tried to find others to do the smuggling. I told my roommate about this because he had already known about the trips. He was trying to actively recruit people too, but he said he didn't want to go because he thought that $10,000 wasn't enough and that would be the split. That problem got solved because of Nate Cardi. At the time, Nate was 21 years old, born and raised in Queens and living in New York. He was studying graphic design at Kingsborough Community College. His dad is a retired forklift driver, and his mom was a bookkeeper who had just been laid off. And he had a promising modeling career. His Instagram at the time was filled with photos of him on various runways at New York Fashion Week, at editorial fashion shoots, Nate showing off his abs, Nate at industry events. According to newspaper reports, he had done campaigns for big brands like Coca-Cola and Puma. 
But there was another side to Nate's life. According to a psychological assessment submitted to the Australian court, Nate once attempted suicide and had ongoing mental health problems. Nate told police he first met Slava through Isaiah Cargill, better known as Plug Pope, the Toronto party promoter who Slava says was also a drug dealer and his traveling companion when the two made their own trip to Australia. Nate says that he even crashed on Slava's couch when he was visiting Toronto with his friend Kyle Nelson, the teenage model and rapper known as Kay Saatchi. Later, Slava visited them. He was in New York in early December of 2015, shortly after his own Australia trip. I met with them because we went to go get a drink. And one of them, one of them was really gung-ho about the idea of going. Like, they had heard from the drug dealer that this trip was super easy to take, that it, it was easy money. So they both asked me if I would be able to introduce them to the party. Nate said that during their night of partying and drinking, the topic of Australia came up. He said he'd always wanted to go, and Slava told him, I can make that happen. The next day, according to Canadian court documents, Slava texted Nate, do you really want to go to Australia for free? And Nate answered, hell yeah. Once Nate expressed interest, Slava says he made a call and passed the word up the chain that he had found another courier. Slava encouraged Nate to find a girl to go with him, but Nate had trouble finding one. Try harder, bro, Slava texted. Don't tell her about the work. And Nate replied, of course not. To spell this out a bit, what Slava was proposing was that Nate enlist a young woman to go with him, promising her a free trip to Australia and keeping her in the dark about the fact that once on that trip, she would be used to move commercial quantities of drugs across an international border. When Nate couldn't find a female companion, he suggested Keisachi. At first, Slava said Keisachi was too young, but then softened that standard, saying, send me his passport anyway. Nate had already sent it, he said, not to Slava, but directly to one of the higher-ups in the conspiracy, who Slava calls Tweedledee. Keisachi has since become somewhat famous, with his face on a billboard campaign for YouTube music. Here's a bit of a Keisachi song called Gin and Tonic. Take, it, take some of this. What's this? Now I'm geeked up. Now I'm geeked up. He was asked about this incident by reporter Kate Nibbs and denied ever being interested in the scheme. There's nothing cool about it, he said. It just makes me look lame. According to both Slava and Nate, Tweedledee flew to New York and personally reimbursed Nate for the plane tickets, paying with Canadian cash from a duffel bag. Slava promised Nate and Keisachi $3,400 each once the trip was done. Another thing Slava offered Nate was a visit to Vice's Australia office. Nate said sure. But then, Keisachi wanted out. This meant trouble for Slava, he says, because as soon as he had passed along Nate and Keisachi's names to Tweedledum and Tweedledee, Slava was committed too. So I was on the hook for this other trip that I didn't even want them to take. But now I'm the main point of contact for them. So this is on my shoulders now too. So... It was just a series, uh, it was just terrible. Slava called up the Tweedles, and through some process of reasoning I do not pretend to comprehend, it was decided that Keisachi could back out, but Nate couldn't. Regardless, Slava was now responsible for finding someone else to replace Keisachi and accompany Nate. And that's where the threat started. In a later police interview, Nate said that he had a tense phone call with Slava. 
After he hung up, his phone rang again. It was someone different. This person recited Nate's name, his home address. And then, according to Nate, he said he will come after me, my family. Nate just wanted out. He says he offered to pay the anonymous caller money out of his own pocket to get out of having to go on the trip. But the caller wouldn't have it. He had to go. Slava claims he had nothing to do with this threatening call. I think Nate may have gotten some calls from Tweedledee or Tweedledum. That kind of spooked him. And he, uh, he was really scared and just willing to do anything to save himself and his friend. Turning up the pressure, Slava told Nate that he was also now on the hook for the money lost on Kesachi's airfare. No, Nate owed me money for doing this. And he fully was aware of that. Somehow, Nate was now in debt to the drug runners who were supposed to pay him. The only way he was allowed to earn his way out of the hole was to go through with the job. Again, at this point, Nate didn't even want to get paid. He just wanted to get it over with and get out of this situation. And Slava says that since Nate couldn't find anyone to replace Kesachi, he offered to forfeit his $3,400 entirely which might free up enough money for Slava to be able to entice someone else. So Nate said he would give up his share to whoever it is that went with him. Slava knew just the guy for the job, now that the money was right. Because that was Jordan's biggest hang-up about it, was like it wasn't enough money. When it became an option for him to take all of it, he jumped at that. Toronto techno DJ Jordan Gardner and New York model Nate Cardi. That was one pair. Robert Wang was half of another. He started at Vice in the summer as an intern in the ad sales department. Robert's internship put him in the same office as Vice's taste-making music site Noisy and its editor, Slava Pastikov. This is what he said to police. I was trying to get into the music industry, you know? The artists I was working with, they weren't really big or anything yet. Just trying to find a way to get them press, get coverage get a foot in the door in the music industry. And that's how, I guess I started, you know, trying to develop a friendship with him. Robert made a point of befriending Slava. Yeah, I mean, listen, Rob's first day as a sales intern, he made sure to go and introduce himself to me. And Rob ultimately got us an interview with Ram Riddles, who is like the rapper that Drake stole a song from, uh, borrowed, uh, Drake was influenced by that artist. And when Drake's version of the song came out and I wanted to talk to the originator, Rob was like, I can make that happen for you. Ram Riddles is a Toronto rapper briefly in demand after Drake covered his obscene novelty song, Sweeter Man. You know she follow me on that Insta G. She won my Insta D. Then she swallowed She can handle me. She's a screamer. She can handle my wiener. During a chat with Robert about music promotion, Slava found a way to steer the conversation to the exciting trip he had just made to Australia. He told Robert that someone else paid for it and that he had actually been paid to take it. All he had to do was bring some things with him. He said if Robert was interested, he could arrange the same trip for him and a friend. He asked Robert to send him a scan of his passport. The next day, Slava texted Robert. Let me know about that passport, by the way. Robert replied that he wanted to know more first. Two days later, Slava texted Robert again. Any passport pics, he asked. That's when Robert gave him a polite but firm no. Sorry, bro, he texted. Thought about it a lot, 
just not a step that makes sense for me at the moment. Appreciate you letting me know about the opportunity still. I'll keep it private. Hope we can still do business in the future. But Slava wouldn't take no for an answer. Robert got a text from Slava's friend, business partner, and alleged co-conspirator Ali Taki Lalji. Slava told me you guys talked, Ali wrote, but I think I have an opportunity to sweeten this deal for you. They spoke on the phone. Whatever Ali said to Robert on that call, it worked. Robert texted Ali shortly after. You just made my day, fam. Here, I'll mention again that none of the allegations against Ali have been proven in court. And Ali's lawyer has told us that he's maintaining his innocence and will present his defense at trial. Later, in an interview with the police, Robert said that on their phone call, Ali threatened him not to back out of the trip because the people behind it were heavy hitters. That's the term Ali used, says Robert, heavy hitters. Robert also says that he was assured by Ali that if he did take the trip, Slava would help his career in the music business once he got back. At that point, Robert tells the police, I just said, okay, fuck it. It's not the only time Robert was threatened. And the next time, there was proof. Robert went to Slava's apartment to go over details of the coming trip. What Slava and Ali didn't know was that Robert Wang was secretly recording the whole thing. Robert took the precaution of taping two encounters with Slava. The recordings themselves have never been released, but I've obtained written transcripts of them. They have a lot of missing parts marked indiscernible, and other parts where everyone is talking at once, and then beyond that, it's hard to know just how things were said, which words were emphasized, and that can often change the meaning of things. But many parts are quite clear. Like the point in the first meeting, when Robert seemed to get spooked, and Slava said, I'm not on the hook for this trip. And Robert answered, what do you mean on the hook? Like, what if I don't do it? Then Ali says, yeah, you can't do that. And Slava added, yeah, it's like a cartel. You work with cartels pretty much. But then Robert said, bro, I don't wanna. Then everyone was talking over each other again. And Slava said something kind of confusing about who exactly would break his kneecaps if he doesn't go on the trip. But the point was made kneecaps would be broken. Robert tried to back out. Ali said, it's already booked. Robert said, yeah, that wasn't my fault. And then after a few garbled sentences, the recording ends. The story then picks up through more text messages entered into evidence at Slava's sentencing. Robert was told to find a girl to go with him to Australia, but he couldn't find one. So Slava made it happen through a friend and hyped the arrangement to Robert over text. I may have an amazing companion for you, he wrote. I don't want to get your hopes up, but she's an international model. She's so fine. I'm jealous. The girl Slava offered up was Portia Wade. She was the youngest of the smugglers and the only woman. She was 19 at the time. I don't know about international, but she had done some modeling. She lived with her boyfriend in a condo in downtown Toronto. That boyfriend was Plug Pope. Portia Wade was brought into the situation because the person that I went with, the drug dealer, he initiated her into this, and I think he told her the cut was like $3,000, $5,000. So he was making a little bit of money on the back end of it. Portia was a teenager who taught Sunday school, who later told the court that she was dragged into this by a bad boyfriend who manipulated her. That sounds likely. I mean, that's kind of like the lifestyle of 
a 19 year old girl who moved into the big city and doesn't have anywhere to really stay so she has to depend on the kindness of men in her life who may not be the most upstanding citizens themselves. Of all the people enlisted into the scheme, Portia seems the most vulnerable. The judge who later presided over her case said she was not convinced that throughout all of this, Portia really knew what she was doing. She told a court that in her life with Pope, she drank every day and used Xanax recreationally. Her sentence included a psychiatric report, which revealed that Portia had tried to kill herself three times. The latest attempt was less than a year before the trip. She'd been diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and pica, a disorder that caused Portia to compulsively eat toilet paper. She was also diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder with dissociative symptoms of depersonalization due to her complex childhood trauma. The therapist who prepared the psychiatric report said that, quote, the offender is unable to access a stable sense of self or identity. The significance of this in relation to the current offense is that it renders her more susceptible to the influence of other people. Just days before their flight, Robert picked Portia up from Pope's condo and took her to Parkdale to Slava's apartment for another meeting. He recorded this one too. Slava and Ali gave Robert and Portia itineraries in a folder with hotel and flight bookings, even some information about sightseeing trips around Sydney. They helped them work on their backstory as a couple, celebrating Robert's recent graduation. According to the transcript, Ali told them how to act at the airport to make it seem like they're a real couple. The hand-holding thing sells it, he said. Put your shoulder on him. Like, make him seem like all this, this is an actual couple actually going on a trip to actually Sydney. Slava and Ali told them to go to the gym every day they're in Las Vegas so that they look healthy and carefree. They even gave instructions for a DIY exfoliating facial on the long-haul flight to Sydney so they would look fresh when they landed. On the Sunday before she was set to fly, Slava checked in on Portia. Are you ready for the trip, he asked. Hey, no, I didn't pack yet, she texted back. I don't know the date that I'm leaving. The fifth and final person enlisted to join Jordan and Nate, Rob and Portia, was a guy named Kutiba Sanusi. Of all the couriers, I know the least about him. Sava says he doesn't really know Kutiba either. Kutiba has nothing to do with me. Like, nothing. Well, almost nothing. I think he was in my house at one point. According to court documents, Kutiba was enlisted by Michael Ford. Slava says he's the one who connected him with the whole operation. I was able to get in touch with Michael via email, but once I put these allegations to him, he stopped responding. An Australian court later heard that Katiba was an events planner who met Mike at Montreal's McGill University. Katiba says he thought he was going with Michael on the trip. He knew they'd be smuggling drugs, but thought Michael would be the one carrying them. He wasn't expecting to get paid, beyond getting a free trip to Australia. But a week and a half before the flight to Vegas, Michael said he couldn't go after all because he had a criminal record. According to a CBC News report, Michael Ford, then known as Michael Hindler, was convicted in 2009 of sexual interference with a 13-year-old when he was 18. He was sentenced to weekends in jail for 90 days. In 2014, he legally changed his last name from Hindler to Ford. When Katiba heard Michael was dropping out, he was relieved. He thought that Michael dropping out meant he was off the hook. But then 
Michael found someone else to go in his place. Katiba met with one of the Tweedles, and at that meeting he says he was told that another person who once tried to back out had razor blades shoved up their fingernails. This is the same threat Slava said he heard from Michael, a.k.a. Trey. Trey reminded me that one time one person tried to back out and they were tied to a chair and there were razor blades put under their fingernails. A few days before the trip, Katiba said he did try to back out and was again told his safety and the safety of his brother Mustafa couldn't be assured. He decided to go through with it. So that's five people booked to fly together halfway around the world. They're strangers to each other or close to it, but they do have some things in common. As I mentioned, all of them lack the defenses that helped others just walk away from Slava. They have other things in common too. Each of them had aspirations in Vice's world, music, modeling, events, and they were all hopefuls in creative industries. None of them had a criminal record, and there's nothing I learned that suggests any of them had done anything like this before. Finally, unlike the other kids who said no, none of these kids are white. If Slava's foolproof plan was, as he described it, to get three sets of white couples who could each pass for inconspicuous boyfriend and girlfriend off on holiday, well, he didn't do a great job. But they didn't know about that part. And there they were, all set to travel on the same flight just before Christmas to Nevada and then on to Australia, carrying strange bags. No one wanted to go. Next stop, Las Vegas. If you're enjoying Cool Mules, you might also like They Walk Among Us, an award-winning podcast and now book that focuses on UK true crime. Have you ever wondered if there is a dark side to your neighbor? The cashier at the supermarket, the delivery driver, the person that sleeps beside you. Examining those cases that are scarily close to home, the award-winning podcast They Walk Among Us explores both lesser-known crimes committed by seemingly ordinary people, along with diving deep into those cases splashed across the headlines. They Walk Among Us has been praised by The Guardian who called the show a cult hit. The Financial Times referred to it as sharply written, and the New Statesman labelled it the mysterious true crime podcast that'll keep you up at night. Listen to They Walk Among Us on Acast, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Cool Mules is hosted and reported by me, Kasia Mihailovich, and is written and produced by me and Jesse Brown. Research assistance from Jonathan Goldsby. Additional production work by Tiffany Lamb. Additional research by Hannah Ryan in Sydney. Kevin Sexton is our managing editor. Music by Nathan Burley. Sound design and mix by Chandra Bullockon. The next episode of Cool Mules will be released in one week but you can hear the entire series right now ad-free by clicking the link in the episode notes and signing up to support our reporting with $5 a month. You can also support us at coolmules.ca slash join.
This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.